It is Sunday, May 18th, 2014. This is U62 The Targ. Let's get it started. As we say in the radio business, if you put that on the radio, people will listen to it. All right, here it comes. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Why? What a little tiny microchip deep inside some electronics. Broadcasting to the world through the miracle of the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, this is U62, the TAR. Now your host, a man with a lifelong dream of getting paid to do this, Mark Pappas. On this week's show, my thoughts on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Arrow finales, and also what they're doing these days down at the movies. It's episode 7.14, Mark Dreams of the Movies. So sit back, relax, grab yourself some warm root beer and a towel that's oh so fluffy. U62 the Tar, you're in for something special. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Kappas here. Welcome to this week's episode of the Targ. I'm just starting to feel a little bit down. You know, as I watch TV, I see the season finale season is upon us. And this past week, we had the season finales of two of my favorite TV shows, two of the premier superhero TV shows on TV right now, representing Marvel, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., representing DC, Arrow. You know, all this TV season, I've been trying to figure out, why do I like Arrow more than I like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? At first, I thought it was just because, you know, I'm a DC guy at heart, so of course I naturally gravitate towards DC. But then, reading a lot of online message boards, I'm not the only one who feels that way. So I think what finally happened, I finally figured it out. What makes Arrow better than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is with Arrow, it really feels like there's things at stake. With Arrow, there is more of a concrete, season-long story arc, and what the heroes do matter. Over on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the other hand, for most of the season, they got pretty stuck in a Monster of the Week-style format. A lot of the characters were shimmering, shining examples of perfect humanity, and yeah, it got kind of bland after a while. That's why the show got so much better after Captain America the Winter Soldier and the whole Hydra plot came for. I have to agree with a lot of people, when Agent Ward was revealed to be a traitor, that was possibly the best development that ever happened with the character. He went from being a bland, pretty boy, James Bond wannabe, to being this dark, tortured soul with a really sinister past, and so that was really good to see. When the whole thing happened, you know, suddenly S.H.I.E.L.D. didn't exist anymore and our heroes were on the run, now it finally felt like something was at stake, and everything came to a head in the season finale when they finally faced down against their former comrade, John Garrett, played by the always awesome Bill Paxton, and they kicked his ass and everything was great. Samuel L. Jackson came in for an appearance as Nick Fury. Uh, Spoiler warning for those who haven't seen Captain America the Winter Soldier yet. Nick Fury fakes his death and he's actually been working underground, you know, kind of doing what our heroes have been doing on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And so the big development was um, after he helped our heroes, he charged Agent Coulson with the difficult task of rebuilding S.H.I.E.L.D. and appointing him the new director of S.H.I.E.L.D. So hopefully that continues into the next Avengers movie and we see director Coulson and S.H.I.E.L.D. pop in for Avengers 2. That would be awesome. 
Meanwhile, over on Arrow, where things have always been at stake, my god, the season finale was phenomenal. When last we left our intrepid heroes, uh, Deathstroke, the villain from the DC Universe, it was revealed that he was uh, one of Oliver Queen's mentors when he was stranded on that deserted island for five years. But things between Green Arrow and Deathstroke kind of went sour. So the main story arc this entire season was Deathstroke coming to Starling City, seeking revenge against Oliver Queen and seeking to destroy everything he loved. So for the past three episodes, their big story arc was Deathstroke's army of super soldiers was just laying waste to the city. Oliver Queen and his team always two steps behind. But in the season finale, the cavalry came in and Green Arrow and Deathstroke had their epic final showdown and my god it is just so awesome some interesting developments too for the next season again one of the other big plot developments uh, was uh, Thea Queen Oliver Queen's little sister it was revealed that her true father was Oliver Queen's arch enemy Malcolm Merlin played by John Barrowman and at the end Thea Queen decided to go off with her real father and it looks like she's turning to the dark side which is going to be a great, maybe horrible development for next season. All I'm saying is Arrow is awesome, and I'm very satisfied with their season finale. Whew, I gotta take a break now, so let's play some music. Jason Blaine on the tar. that eagle flew right out of the blue And dropped off a little overtime pay So I threw the wolves a bone and I shined up the chrome my new getaway And I picked my baby A handful of daisies From the shotgun side of the road Now here we Is bound to pop on out And some well-fit dude's gonna get half-nude And crash out on the ground Yeah, them good-time Charlies They should love to party Throw down at the end of the day Fill it up, we got more than enough to rock on and 
party, let's have a little fun tonight Forget about your worries, ain't nobody in a hurry to see that morning light Find a cup, fill it up, we got more than enough to rock on and on all night Nothing like a good time spent with a few good friends of mine I like to call them the Avengers of Canadian country music. Derek Rattan, Chad Brownlee, Jason McCoy, Gord Bamford, under the leadership of Jason Blaine for Friends of Mine. Here on U62 The Targ, Mark Kappas still here with you. This news story came across my desk uh, back on Friday, and I, I'm still kind of processing it. Seems like whenever you go to see a movie these days, they're finding new ways to gouge you. First it was 3D, you gotta pay three extra dollars for the glasses. Then they added D-Box, which is where your seat vibrates in time with the movie. I have yet to meet a person who actually enjoys D-Box. Then you look at the Cineplex Odeon chain here in Canada. They have their Ultra AVX, where they have assigned seating and a huge screen. I will admit, I've treated myself to Ultra AVX a few times. It is a nice experience. And above the Ultra AVX, we have their VIP experience. I haven't tried that yet because it's like 50 bucks a ticket, but in a situation like that, your chair is like an overstuffed armchair, your snacks are brought to you by a waiter, it's only over 18, so there's no crying babies. I'll probably treat myself to it for my birthday this year just to see what it's all about. But anyways, with all those different movie viewing options, they are looking at another way to gouge us. What Cineplex Odeon has done is they have noticed that the middle two rows of a movie theater tend to be the most popular seats. So starting at a theater in Toronto, they are going to start charging $2 extra for those seats. Don't worry, those two extra dollars will be worth it. They're upgrading the chairs so they'll be softer and more comfy and bigger. And it'll be reserved seating so you can actually pick your seat in that um, theater. Cineplex Odeon is likening it to um, an airplane. You know, the regular seats are coach. These middle two row seats are going to be first class. And all I'm saying is no, 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 no. Look, you've already figured out how to do this, Cineplex. You got a great thing going with your Ultra AVX. You already have an entire theater dedicated to that concept. So don't start creeping it into the regular theaters. I mean, with all these stupid upgrades they're adding to the movies now, things are getting more and more difficult, more and more complicated, more and more convoluted. I'm just one guy, one average middle-aged male. When I go to the movies, it's about 20 bucks, you know, $12 for my ticket, a few snacks, and bam, I blown 20 bucks. My sister, she's got a family of four. I have no idea how they afford it. And I'm pretty sure they don't, and they never go to the movies at all. So it's just Ah, no, it's frustrating. It's maddening. Don't do this, Cineplex Odeon. You're starting to make the movie-going experience far more complicated. Don't make it more complicated than it has to be. Don't make it more expensive. Just don't. You're listening to Mark Chappas. Go do disgusting things to that boy. On U62. The Targ.
Spider-Man does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches thieves just like flies. Look out, here comes the Spider-Man. Is he strong? Listen, buddy. He's got radioactive blood. Can he swing from a thread? Take a look overhead. Here, there. There goes the Spider-Man. In the chill of night, at the scene of a crime. Like a streak of light, he arrives just in time. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Friendly neighborhood Spider-Man Well then fame he's ignored Action is his reward Look out Here comes the Spider-Man Friendly neighborhood Spider-Man Well, fame, he's ignored Action is his reward Look out, here comes the Spider-Man In the chill of night At the scene of a crime Like a streak of light He arrives just in time Michael Buble with his cover of the Spider-Man theme here on U62 The Targ. Yeah, Spider-Man's still on my mind. Uh, You know, a couple episodes ago, I went to see The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And while I was there, I upgraded the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy to Blu-ray. So I'm starting to work my way through Spider-Man again, this time in high def. I watched the first one this afternoon, and uh, I never remembered what a sad movie the first Spider-Man movie is. I mean, Mary Jane Watson, she comes from a borderline abusive household. She's trying to catch a break in the big city as an actress. The poor girl just can't catch a break. Then we got Harry Osborn, same thing. No matter what he does, it's not good enough for his father. His father always preferring Peter Parker and just uh, poor Harry Osborn. And then Peter Parker pining for Mary Jane Watson, accidentally responsible for the death of his uncle, the old with great power come great responsibility thing. They're just three young 20-somethings trying to catch a break in the big city, and the poor guys just can't. It's very, very sad. Uh, 
Uh, but you know what? I remember seeing Spider-Man in the theater for the first time when it came out. And going back to my earlier rant about um, the plan that Cineplex Odeon is having to charge two extra dollars for those middle seats, I found another great article. This really caught my eye. Other ways that movie theaters can become better. Apparently, over in Europe, some European chains charge a monthly pass to the movies. 30 bucks a month Canadian unlimited movies at your local theater for a whole month. Now that is a brilliant idea. That is something I can get behind. I would, yeah, I see about two movies a month, as I said. For me, it's at least 20 bucks to go to a movie. So yeah, $30 a month, two movies, I would have that pass paid for. I am totally on board with that. Actually, you know, whenever I see stuff like that, I think I would like to open a movie theater someday. Yeah, it's one of those silly dreams I've had for a while. You know, wouldn't it be great to own your own movie theater? Something where you can be a little more active with the programming. Instead of just always bringing in the latest blockbusters, you know, also bring in independent films and foreign films that catch your eye. And bring classic movies and show them on the big screen the way they were meant to be seen. For me, it always goes back to Star Wars Special Edition when it came out in 1997. Did you ever see the first trailer for that? I'm not going to lie. I went to see the romantic comedy one fine day just so I could see the trailer for Star Wars Special Edition. But the trailer is, it starts off with this little tiny TV set in the middle of the screen showing scenes from Star Wars and the narrator comes on, For an entire generation now, this has been the only way you can see Star Wars on your TV. But for me, it's not just Star Wars. A lot of my favorite movies I have never seen on the big screen. I would love to see them on the big screen. Raiders of the Lost Ark, I want to see that on the big screen. Back to the Future, I want to see that on the big screen. Clerks, granted it's a movie that really doesn't demand a big screen, but to see it on a big screen with an audience to make sure I'm not the only one who gets the jokes. Ah, maybe someday. If I win the lottery, I can open up my own movie theater, and you're all invited down to Mark's Movie Palace. And you know, with a dream like that, I think that's a good place to end this. So I will wrap it up for this week. I'm Mark Kappas. This has been The Targ. See you next week. And this brings us to the end of another exciting episode of The Targ. Don't forget you can download a new episode of The Targ every week at chaosinabox.com. The Targ is written and produced by Mark Kappas under the watchful eye of 42 Star Wars action figures. The Targ is a Chaos in a Box production. It's a good ride while it lasted. Come on, kids. Let's go home. We are home. That was fast.